Thank you, Oli. Lady and gentlemen. Hello, everybody. Oh, this too. Thanks, buddy. I got him. Thank you. So, um, my name's Ken Fraunfelter. If you don't know my name, if you do know my name, I'm sure you've tried to forget it a couple times. <clears throat> um, the, uh, I am an elder here at the Redwood Christian Church, and uh, I am a, let me see, I am a, a father of two, a child of six, husband of one. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have problems, right? You don't want to mess those numbers up. So, a grandpa of two. What? You're only 43. Yes, I am only 43. My son started early. Within wedlock, so, I mean, bonus. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be preaching this morning uh, regarding somebody that we all want to try to emulate, right? And uh, that person is Jesus. There's no way we're going to be able to get to that point ever, and we, we all understand this, right? If you don't understand this, we have a separate meeting for you later, but we, but we want to try to emulate that to try to get to there, because that's where we want to eventually go. But um, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 6 today, uh, so if you want to just, I guess, pre-stage your Bibles for that point, I don't have slides this morning, so we're going to be actually reading out of the, this is not the signed copy. I saw on, YouTube, on Facebook that somebody had a signed copy of the Bible. Um, this is not that one. If you got that, I wanna, I'd like to see that. It's probably really cool. So uh, while we set this up, I would like your guys' help. So as I'm here, I'm going to be you know, kind of asking questions, and I, re- I kind of expect a response. So it's like, oh, expectations already. Yes, I'm expecting things. So uh, just like I said before, uh, pitcher pitches the ball, the batter is expected to hit it, right? So you guys are the batters, I'm the pitcher. So I expect you guys to hit back at me. Be nice, though. I'm sensitive. So. (laughs) That's right. So what I'd like you guys to do Give me a list of virtues. What are virtues? Honesty. Honesty. Greg, what's yours? Forgiving. Forgiving. Patience. Whoa, hang on. I'm slow. <laughs> See, patient. Yeah, I, I know. C-E or T-S? I'm not a doctor or a nurse. Or, so. um, you said forgiveness. Forgiveness. Integrity. I'm going to start abbreviating here because Very loving. loving, reliable, reliable. Trustworthy. trustworthy. That can we'll bonus that with honesty because it's joyful. joyful. Giving. I haven't heard anything from over here. Kind. Caring. It should be. 
Anything else? These are all the virtues we can think of. They got it. Humility. Humility is good. Oops, I crossed my L. Sorry. Ignore that. Peaceful. I'm going to start. What's that? Faithful. What else we got? Self-control. We can go all day on this, right? Healing. Any others? We can't think of any other virtues. This is the limit of our goodness. Humble. Humble. I'm going to go with, I got humility on there, so. Discipline. Discipline. Comforting. Comforting. Somebody say compassionate over here. Two S's. Compassion. What was this one? Empathetic. Empathetic. Anything else? Got it. Respectful. Protecting, protector, pro, all the versions of that. Just. Any others? We can go all day, right? This is a lot. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, because I bonus the honesty. So we can go 30-ish plus. Then there's got to be a million more, right, that we're not in different variations of the word and but that's the idea of what we're doing, right, is, is we're trying to figure out what are virtues. Virtues are what makes up goodness, right? If you guys would open your Bible to Matthew 6, as I asked you to do earlier, and hopefully you pre-staged yourself, <clears throat> this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking. So the uh, chapter before this, chapter after this, if you have a red-letter version of the Bible, it's all red letters because it's all Jesus talking about stuff. And this is the, this is the part where it says, uh, you know, within this area it is, um, you know, everything that you can think of. That there, there's the Lord's Prayer in this one. There is uh, judge not lest ye be judged. All this, these ones that we've heard that have almost become cliche and we've realized we don't want to become cliche right? Because Jesus spoke them, and there's a lot more power to it. He didn't just speak to fill the room with noise, right? So there's some, there's some really powerful stuff within this part, and it really, it really kind of lays out the foundation of who we need to be and how we need to be it. I honestly think that the reason that Matthew 6 is fairly in the middle of the Bible, right, that it is almost the hub of how we need to be what we're called to be. This is, this is the hub of everything. So I'm going to read the whole from 25 to 34, this whole portion, and, um, and then we're, I'm going to, we're going to go into it a little bit deeper. So if you just follow along, 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's a lot of power in that, right? It goes back, it tells us some history. It tells us some future. You know, it talks about these lilies and their, the beautiful field. And Solomon didn't even look that good. And he was very haughty, right? He, had, he was all ordained, or not ordained. I guess he was ordained, but he was ornate, ornate right? And so... But it talks about him not even being to be that. But then eventually they, become, they wither, they die, they become something that catches on fire. So there's, there's a lot of buildup in this, right? This is, whether you understand it or not, is the how. We have the Great Commission, right? We're very familiar with the Great Commission. If you're not, it's what Jesus tells us to go do. Go make disciples of men. Okay, thanks, Jesus. How do I do that? It's right here. Well, what do you mean? That's, that's not right. This is not the, it's not the totality of it, but it is the foundation of it. And I'm going to explain that in just a second. But before we get to that, I want to find out who was or is Jesus? That's okay. We'll forgive you this time. It's okay. She was getting an answer to my question, asking Google, right? <laughs> who is or who was Jesus? Son of God, Son of Man. So let's go with, where's my marker? Who is Jesus? Now we have the Son of Man, the Great I Am, we have all these. What's that mean? Who is Jesus? Savior of the world. The Lord? That's pretty important because he was God. The healer. Teacher. Light of the world. Yeah, I want to I focus on, yes, he was the light of the world, but not the names that we've given him, but the substance in which he was. Emmanuel. But what does that, what does that mean in everyday speak? God is with us. So he is the Lord. So that boils back to that. So what else was he? The Word. But if I said, if I said John is the Word, that doesn't make We don't understand the Word, right? We have to understand the foundation. Now, he was a leader. Yep, maker. 
Healer, got it. The image of God. The friend, image of God. So image of God, God incarnate. Is that kind of what you're saying, Ed, that the, he's what God wants us to look like, what he wants us to be, and he's the that physical manifestation. Image. Right, and so the closest vision view we've ever had. Yeah, perfect. He was love. He is the, yes, the figure of Christianity, our He was a sacrifice. Forgiver. We don't have that yet. It's good. Gut teacher. What's that? Oh, hey, that makes it easier. I'm just going to go off of this one. Gosh, my arm was getting tired. I was hoping you guys would catch that one. All these virtues is what Jesus says, and we can go off of this all day, like, and I can sit there, oh, he's a savior, but do we have all of these over here? Do we attribute these to Jesus? Yeah, but did we say that in this? We, it was having, we were having a hard time coming to the, yeah, what is Jesus, right? Well, he's loving. Well, we got loving. That's cool. We've got that. He's reliable. He's joyful. He's, he was wisdom. He was giving. He was kind. He was caring, loyal, patient, faithful, peaceful. So that's what Jesus is. If Jesus is, was and always is the ultimate virtue, this is what we need to be looking at. This is how we need to be figuring out how we need to be because that's how he was. Now, the one thing we don't have on the virtue is maker. We don't have Lord. Those are specific to him because that's, we, there's no way we're going to be Lord. We're not going to be Savior. We're not going to be... We could try to be love to somebody. He, we, we have sacrifice on here. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Back in the old days, we had to go, uh, we, not me, but Abraham's time, long before I was even thought of, or, or the oldest person in the room was ever thought of, too. Long before. They had to go out and find their most prized animal, and go take it to the Lord and kill it. That means they weren't able to have clothing from that. They weren't able to have food from that. And that was a big thing. They were giving to the Lord so that they could have this blessing from him as opposed to food. And that was enough to fulfill them. So <clears throat> Jesus became that. So we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to say, you know, I, I need to go find my goat. Or I need to go find a sheep. Or I need to go find whatever sacrifice. Jesus became that. He was also the one person that went through the ultimate pain and suffering. I mean, through the cross, through that, that day of, of torture that he went through. He's the only one that has gone through that amount for, we would say, physically no reason, but an absolute reason that only some of us can look at, right? Those that understand it can see that. And then there's the ultimate redemption, that ultimate sacrifice and ultimate pain became the ultimate redemption that cleaned us up, that washed away our sins, that took away our ever dying and, be, and, and, and burning in hell forever. Now, he gave us that opportunity through his virtues because he came down and physically manifested what these are. 
But how did he get to this point? At what point did he say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and tomorrow I'm going to go get on this cross and it's going to hurt real bad? He didn't do that, right? It wasn't just the next day he woke up and said, all right, here we go. If we start climbing backwards in the Bible, we start seeing the preparation for this. We start seeing the night before, he was praying to the Lord. He said, take this away from me. He never, ever said, why me? Oh, I, I'm, I'm so, it's not fair. No, no. He said, if it's your will, please take it away from me. Um, I don't want to do this. I, I know the ultimate end goal and the end game of this is to, is to die so everybody can be free. If you find another reason to take this away from me, please take it. It was never taken from him. So he, he wasn't a whiner. But how did he get to that point to where he didn't whine anymore? That he actually started, he started looking at it to the point where it was important to him to do what it was. Do you think, so we know that three years before he passed away, before he died, that was when his ministry went, correct? So 30 years, he was 33 when he died. So 30 years from 00 BC, right, or what? Yeah, 00, or 00 AD, however you want to look at it, till 30 years after that. What happened in that time? What was the important thing that, that happened in 30 years? Now, has anybody ever gone through something so rigorous, so mentally, spiritually, and physically tough that it almost killed you? I mean, to the point of exhaustion, to the point of physical pain, being broken, where it almost killed you. See, we are, we're blessed in that, that we don't have that. Jesus had that. But in order, how many times has anybody gone through something that's really difficult in their life? I mean, really difficult, mentally, spiritually, or physically. You can raise your hand. Everybody should be raising their hand. Yeah, right? There was a time when uh, all of us had to go through a birth canal. And they say that that is the most, that's the closest, most dangerous part of our life, right? That there's a chance that we don't survive that. But God's blessed us that we're able to. The other side of that is you go through something difficult in your life and you have had to, and you say, I just can't do this anymore. Why can't you do it? You have people that prepare for tournaments, you know, whether it's uh, sports stuff or whether it's, um, you know, whatever you're doing. You have to practice up until that point, right? You have to prepare yourself. And so you go through hard parts and you try to figure out different things. You work through strategies and tactics and different things. And then you work to that point where I am ready for tomorrow. Why? Because I put in all this work. Well, Jesus put in all that work up until this point. However, this was the most suffering, most mental toughness, most physical toughness, most spiritual toughness anybody's ever gone through. And he was able to do it. Now, we always have these... These, these videos or movies or whatever, where we see Jesus, he's like, hello, little lamb, hello, children, and he's very peaceful, right? To go through this stuff that he went through, there was no way everything had to be that hunky-dory for him. There's no way life had to be that easy because there's that point where he gets, he's trying to climb up that, that you know, go down the road, and he's got the cross, and he drops it, and they had to pull somebody from the crowd to help carry that cross, he couldn't physically go anymore. They ripped his back up. They put that crown of thorns on his head. They, they demolished this man, and he was able to keep going. He was able to keep going, and they got up on the cross, and he lived while still up on the cross after they stabbed him, and they, you know, and they put wine vinegar in his mouth, right? I don't know about you, but 
When you start getting physically taxed, all you want is water. You don't care what you have. And if somebody puts something else in your mouth, it's, it's the antithesis of what you need. He was getting to that point where it absolutely killed him to do this, but he was able to hold on and still offer another man redemption and, and life. So we have to look at, is there anybody else, is there any way that we can figure out from our current standing in life, we have YouTube and we have videos and we have all these different things we can look at and see how other people are doing things to become physically, mentally, or spiritually strong. We have, I mean, let's just take like the Navy SEALs, for example, right? We all know they're the toughest hombres that the U.S. military has, right? Anybody not heard of the Navy SEALs, right? So these guys are super tough. Then they go, a lot of times they pick guys, they let you come in and, and you have to test for it. And if you're not familiar with their testing process, it's called BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition. And they have a thing called Hell Week that is the first week before uh, BUDS starts. These guys go in. And you'll have kids from, you know, they were star athletes in school or they were just in fantastic physical shape or whatever. They'll go in here and within that first couple days, they have this big old brass bell and they have a baseball bat. And they go up and if you want out, all you have to do is ring that bell with that baseball bat all you have to do. You don't have, to, you don't have to go through a big old thing to get out. You just leave if that's what you want. And there's guys, there's kids, these 19, 20-year-olds, whatever, that are going through their best physical shape you've ever seen. They're ringing that bell. Why? Because it's not always physical. If you can go so far and then you tell yourself, I can't go any further, your mental toughness is lacking. Now, where does mental toughness come from? Mental toughness comes from, what's that? Virtues. Say it again. Virtues. virtues. But where do the virtues come from? The Lord. So what is the Lord? How does he manifest to us? <laughs> Who did Jesus say was going to come visit us? The spirit. the spirit. So our spiritual toughness, has, our mental toughness has to come from our spiritual toughness. If we're not set ahead of time, Spiritually, we're not going to be set mentally. If we're not set mentally, we're not going to be set physically. They all are built on the other one. So as strong as you can be, mentally or physically, if your spiritual toughness is not on point and where it needs to be, you're going to fail. You're going to quit, and you're going to want to say, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. I want to go cuddle up in, in, on my mommy's lap, and I want to cry. But you're a 23-year-old tough guy. I'm scared, right? You have to, you can't just be physically tough. You just can't be mentally tough. You have to be spiritually tough to know what's going on. So Jesus had done this. He had gone through all these things in his life to be able to get to this point. But we have to figure out what did he do to be able to endure this? How did he get physically, <laughs> mentally, and spiritually tough to get to this point? to where he was able to go on the cross, die for us, and last that entire day. How did he get to that point? We look at his childhood. We, we have a glimpse of his childhood, um, and I'm going to kind of pre uh, just um, paraphrase it, but there was a point when Jesus was a child, and they, his family had gone, um, and they were, they'd gone to another city in which they didn't live, and they were heading home, and it was, they were two days outside of the city on their way home, and they realized, uh, Jesus isn't with us, so Mary and Joseph go 
back to the city, and they go find him in the temple. And he's sitting there teaching all these, these guys in the temple. And Mary's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you, get you know? How many times have you had kids, your own kids, and you're like, what are you doing? Get in the car, right? Put your shoes on. This is the idea that, that, that Mary was doing. She was, she was like, why are you here? And Jesus is like, oh, I'm, I'm doing what my, my father told me to do. I'm doing my work. As much, who, who has that prodigy child? who's super smart, and you say, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm doing this. Yes, I understand that. It is not the time for that, smart one. Get in the car, right? This is the idea. At least it's the way I take it, right? Jesus is like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I know you're doing what you're supposed to do. Get on the road. We're heading home. It's not time for us to do that yet. There's a time and place. Jesus had to learn. So I'm assuming he knew what his job was. He knew what he was supposed to do. He had to... He got in trouble a little bit, maybe, as a kid. And this is all conjecture, but this is the way I see it, because um, he was a person. He, was, he went through all the stuff that we went through. He had to go through and become this person for us to emulate. He had to become these virtues. He had to become who it is that we want to be. So in order to do that, we are fallible, we are sinful, we are unredeemed, until he comes along. So as he's building up and getting to this point, he looks at uh, his childhood. He, got in, he probably got in some trouble. Probably didn't get in as much trouble as maybe I did as a kid or Jared did as a kid or Deontay did as a kid. I don't know, maybe Deontay didn't. Um, but, but he got in trouble. Then you get to be his teenage years. Anybody in here ever been a teenager before? You remember how awesome that was? You remember how sinless and not fallible you were? Right. We weren't, right? So I would assume Jesus was tempted. He was threatened. He was bullied. Because even bullies got bullied, so everybody gets bullied. Maybe not in the extent where you're getting shoved in a locker and beat up and swirlied and all this different stuff. But there was probably people, you know, tough guy that was really good at whatever games they played back then that would, you know, bump his shoulder or who knows. Whatever the case was, there was, there was temptation, there was struggle through teenage years because you guys remember having a firm grasp on everything when you were a teenager, right? That he, I'm sure that's not what happened. He knew what his, what his father wanted him to do. And so going through temptation of, of seeing something or knowing something and realizing, I can't do that. Then you get into his 20s when Jesus starts, you know, starts coming into, you know, understanding who he is. And he gets to that point where he's tempted some more and he's pushed to those boundaries. He became a um, carpenter. He had to learn how to do his, his physical father's job because that's what they did back then. You became what your parents were. So he learned how to be a carpenter very well. But in order to get there, there was a lot of setbacks. There was a lot of things that were tough. He had to physically be strong. He had, to phys- he had to mentally be strong to go through all these things. As he builds up, he had to figure out, how am I going to get through this? There's a part, you, ever, you guys ever hear that um, when somebody, um, they almost died or they got in a car crash or something like that, and they say, I saw my life pass, flash before my eyes. You guys understand what that is? That is your body, your mind is going through different things in your life, trying to find something that is familiar from that, so you know what to do next. It's, they, they coined it called the OODA loop. The observe, orient, distract, and act. 
And they, it, was deter it, was, it was developed during, uh, by a pilot and trying to figure out all the different stuff that's going on with um, airplanes and stuff. So he, uh, when you are going through that, your mind is going through different things. How, what, have I done anything like this before? And uh, can I figure out how I'm going to go through this next phase, right? This is mostly in high-stress situations, um, high po points when it's, you're so taxed, you physically don't know what to do, you don't know how to go through something from that point on, so you have to figure something out that's similar to it. But if you've gone through nothing and you have nothing to draw from, there's no way you're going to be able to come out on the other side. So you have to build yourself up before this, which is what Jesus had to have done throughout his life. He had to build this point up to get to there. Now, why was he able to maintain sinlessness and build his mental toughness, his physical toughness, and his spiritual toughness? Why was he able to do that? He was God. That's a general easy answer. He communicated with God. So communication, is that one way? Okay, so there's a two-way street here. So he was being told... What's going to happen? What was that? He knew it was going to happen. So if he knew this was going to happen, he knew the goal. He had a goal. Last week, Jeff talked about your New Year's resolutions, right? You have a goal. I want to lose weight. I want to get, you know, eat healthier. I want to whatever. Whatever your goals are, whatever your re res resolutions are, you work towards those. Jesus knew that. But how did he get to that point to be able to reach that goal? He had discipline. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I know it's right here. The passage? Right there. Right? Jesus was disciplined to not be, to be sinless. He was disciplined to not be tempted. He was disciplined to be a friend, to be a leader, to be a maker, the image, to be loved, to be that sacrifice, to be the forgiver. He was disciplined enough. But what is discipline? Is discipline easy? If it was easy, it wouldn't be discipline. It'd be routine. Discipline is just that. It is hard. I don't want to get up at 4.30 in the morning and go to the gym. I don't want to eat healthier. I don't want to be nice to my neighbor who's a jerk. I don't want to do this. But why do I do it? Because it's right. Because you're disciplined. Because you're a follower of this man, and these are what you need to be producing. Right? These are, that is who you are, so you have to build to that point. So what is your goal? To be more like Jesus. That's good. Anybody have resolutions? Like from last week, Jeff was talking about it, you know? have those resolutions where like, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. You guys have those. You have a goal. Do we have a goal just to get through Friday so I can, I, I can be, have the weekend, right? That's kind of a boring life to, to waste five days of your life just so for two, right? You don't want to, you don't, you got to have your goal. So if you have your goal and it could be lofty, it could be minor. That's fine. You have to understand why you have your goal. Why is your goal there? What is your why? So I want you guys to sit there and think about, okay, I have this goal. And if you don't have a goal, that's fine. You should be building up a goal of some kind. I don't care if you're 90. I don't care if you're 9. 
should have a goal to be better at something, to be more like this man, be more like Jesus. So if you have that goal, are you going to pick something from here to try to strengthen, to try to become more of this so you can be more of this? But you have to understand why. And if you lose your why, your goal will go away. Your goal will, it will fizzle and you'll be like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. So by June, you're thinking, yeah, I wanted to eat healthier, but I have McDonald's every night and it's awesome. You don't feel it. Yeah. But, but you're, that's your idea, right? You have to have your, if you don't have your why, your goal will be worthless. So Jesus understood what his goal was and he understands why his goal was that way. And his goal, his why, is you. You guys and everybody else on this planet that's ever lived is his why. He wants us all to be with him in heaven. And if he's going to make sure you're able to go through those gates and go before the Father blameless and sinless, he had to go through this. He had to be strong. He had to be tough. He had to be able to do what it is that he needed to be able to do. So, in order to do that, we have to figure out how do I figure out my why? How do I figure out my goal? How do I get mentally strong? How do I get physically strong? How do I get spiritually strong? I read it. What's the ultimate mandate? What's that? Don't worry. But what's the ultimate mandate? It's the hub. I would think the hub of Christianity. Disciples. No, that's what we need. That's, that's the what. But I'm talking about the how. Believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus. Just to do it? Mm. Do what? Who is this? Well, you said the other S word. Seek. Verse 25. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. In order to be anything else, you have to seek first his kingdom. You have to go where it is that he's at. If you don't go there and go get uh, strengthened that way or built up that way, everything else will be worthless. Nothing else you do will be worth anything if you don't seek him first. Seek his kingdom, seek his righteousness, seek God. Because from there, all these things will be added to you. That's not saying, you know, if you, you know, God takes care of the birds, he'll take care of you. Okay, you're missing a very important thing. He'll take care of those if you seek him. Those minor things will be taken care of if you seek him. And he just wants you to seek him. He wants you to talk with him. He wants you, like you said before, communicate with him. It's a two-way street. You say, oh, well, I've never heard God's voice. Well, you're expecting movie stuff where the big booming voice out of the sky or the burning bush or whatever, or Old Testament stuff. You're expecting things like that. That's not how God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his spirit. The Bible says, be still and know. What, is, what does God want you to have? Right? So you have to listen to him. He's told you to go do X, Y, Z, but you have to figure out where to, where to go find him at. And in order to get that, to get that understanding of what he wants, you have to seek him, find his righteousness. Now, what's his righteousness? What is God's righteousness? All these virtues and all these things that Jesus was, his righteousness, and then some. I can put 87 million pluses on this thing because that's God's righteousness. Because he is every one of these things and more. And that's what he wants us to build towards. 
He, this, by seeking his kingdom, by seeking his righteousness, we are preparing ourselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. Without seeking his kingdom, you're going to be missing parts, and you're not going to be able to go do the, the Great Commission. You're not going to be able to know what to do in order to get that. So you have to seek his kingdom first. All you have to do is seek it. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He, he did not want to physically, but he knew spiritually, I have to go here. I want to go here. I want every single one of you with me. And I have to go do this because I want you guys with me. And all I ask is you, you seek the Lord the way I did, the way I do. So that's where we get, you know, you go back a couple verses and you're going to see the Lord's prayer. You're going to see things, learning how to communicate with God. But he had the discipline to do this, to go to the cross, because he sought the Lord. He looked for him. And he wanted to do this first. He had to seek the Lord first before he did anything else. He goes, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do, Mom. I know you are. It's not time yet. But I'm seeking the Lord. I know you are. But i got to save these people. I know. It's not time yet. Let's get to that point. Let's build you up. Let's get you strong. So then you can go spend that last three years of your life making the biggest impact the world has ever seen. Let's prepare so you have to prepare yourself. Get yourself ready. Read your Bible. Pray with the Lord. Pray in private. Pray in public. Encourage one another. Be honest with one another. Patient with each other. Forgive each other. There's people in here who have been grumpy to you, and you need to forgive them, whether you want to or not. Be integral with people. If somebody says something to you, you own it. And you become, you know, you're right. I was wrong in what I did. Be loving with people when they are struggling or they're being whatever they're being and you need to work with them. You need to come, come alongside them and love them. You be honest with people, but you be honest in love. You don't tell them, hey, you know what? Your hair is horribly ugly today. <laughs> that might be honest, but that's not loving, right? I'm not talking about you, Ron. Your hair's fine. <laughs> uh, you got to be joyful. If you're walking around, there's no joy there. Why, who, why would anybody want to, I want to be, I want to do this. I want to know the, the Lord that he knows. The, the, the grumpy, boring, everything's bad Lord. It's not the Lord I have. It's not the Lord that, that wants me to communicate and seek him. Joyful Lord. You got to be wise with people. You have to sit back and think for a second. Is that right? Do you not know? Then maybe it's not time to open your mouth. Be that come, there's, there's wisdom on both sides of that. Are you giving? Do you give your, what you have to others, or do you hoard it for yourself? It's mine. Are you kind? Can you be kind to each other? Or are you just always, you know, passing somebody off, or just being rude to people, or it's not, that's none of my business that that person's broken down on the side of the road. If there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you do. But if you have the ability to help, make a phone call, be kind to the other people. Are you care about each other? Do you, are you loyal? Those people that, that depend on you, are you loyal to them? Do you, are you able to be dependent on? Are you humble? Can you be humbling of yourself? And these are all your words. And some of you might be looking inside like, oh my gosh, am I that way? Am I, am I not peaceful? Am I not faithful to somebody? 
Do I not have self-control? Are you healing? Do you heal people? Not just like doctor folks, medical personnel. I mean like, are you healing to their, to their spirit? You know, can you come along and pray with them, give them hugs and give them a chance to vent? And then they, they, they start building that healing up. But are you able to come alongside and be that person? Are you able to be disciplined enough to do what you need to do based off what the Lord's asking you to do? Are you comforting? Are you encouraging? Or is all you ever say is just, is just negative stuff? Or do you not encourage whatsoever? Because, you know, it's, I don't want something, I don't want to encourage this person because they're going to get more stuff than me. It's selfish. Nothing you encourage somebody with is ever going to take anything away from you. You're never going to be, you know, your leg's going to be knocked out from underneath you if you don't encourage somebody. It's actually going to build you up the more you encourage others. Are you compassionate? Are you empathetic? Are you considerate of others? You think about how they're going through what they're going through, the steps they're taking, the way in which that they're working towards their, their problems or their successes. Are you compassionate and considerate in the way that they're doing it? Are you respectful for them and to them? Do you protect them? Somebody else is coming against somebody. Do you protect that person? You know, that's, it's, it's not right for you to say that right now. Now, we, I, I'm not saying these things because I'm this all the time. I, I don't know anybody is that is all this, except for one person, right? I, I, I'm not this. Do I always protect people if, if somebody's coming against their spirit or coming against their, their name, Right? Uh, John's just too tall. I can say that because I'm a lot shorter than he is. But, but, and I would say, hey, he's just right. You know, are you protecting that person? That's, that's you know, you, if, if somebody's coming against somebody, we had to, you have to stop and tell yourself or talk to them. If you don't feel strong enough to talk to them, maybe you've got to bring it up to somebody else. That would be. But if you don't feel comfortable with the way people are saying something about somebody, you need to go talk with them and ask them, hey, you know, I understand this, but you got to do it in love, and you got to have integrity with it, and you got to be forgiving. You can't hold things against somebody, but you can defend people. You protect them. And are you just? Are you right? Are you good? Are you this man? Are you Jesus to somebody that needs Jesus? Because I can take this line out, and I can take this word virtues out, and I can scoot Jesus over to the center and it's all him. But are you this? Because this is who Jesus wants us to be. It's who he showed us to be. He said, I was a human. I was a man. I went through junk. I died for you. And I came out on the other side so you can do it with me. Are you ready, are you ready to do that with Jesus? You guys bow your head with me. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we can come to you, Lord, and learn about you. And we ask that you would... You would help us be right, and you would help us be good. You would help us be better than we are. We're already at a point. You can always make us better, Lord. We need you to be our God. We need you to give us that why, Lord. We need to know our goal. We need to know you as our God. And we ask, Lord, right now that you 
would continue to bless us. You would continue to speak to us regarding who you are and what you want from us, Lord. We thank you so much for everything you do and everything you are. In Jesus' name, amen.